I am nomad. No, you're not nomad. You're an alien machine. It doesn't matter which side runs the village. It's run by one side or the other. Oh, certainly. But both sides are becoming identical. Because the owners of this country know the truth. It's called the American dream, because you have to be asleep to believe it. There's a 68.71% chance you're right. Cute. End of line. There's nothing in this world that you can own that I can't take with force, except Bitcoin. Take your sticking paws off me, you damn dirty ape! Euros are going to zero. The yen's going to zero. The Chinese currency's going to zero. It's all going to zero against Bitcoin. Look at these three words written larger than the rest with a special pride never written before or since. Tall words proudly saying, we the people. Then what will happen to us? There's no trace of my money. My office is gone. What will I do? How will I live? Your programming tapes have been altered. You are in error. You are a biological unit. You are imperfect. I am no man. Howdy, everybody. It's uh, N21, episode 16. Welcome to one and all. Uh, How are you doing? Hopefully really good. Uh, History unfolding before our very eyes in real time. And we've got front row seats like the Roman Empire. The current one is collapsing. The U.S. monetary system is showing its cracks. Indeed, from the endless dollar printing. So here go the banks, one by one. They are failing as the Bitcoin space predicted oh so many years ago. So now we see big banks buying up smaller ones, consolidating, which, of course, facilitates the introduction of a central bank digital currency. Again, this was foreseen. A little depressing, but look at current events. Look at Governor DeSantis in Florida drafting legislation to block the implementation of CBDCs in Florida. Texas following suit and Christy Noem in South Dakota has already vetoed a proposed pro-CBDC bill. So that's pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> Greenpeace. <laughs> I, you know, I don't even know what to say. Uh, th- I woke up to uh, Twitter this morning and everybody just memeing the living be Joseph's out of the uh, Greenpeace ad. Which, uh, you know, I don't know, they've got a marketing budget of some kind, but it's it's working out for Bitcoin pretty good. So, uh, interesting stuff. Uh, folks, Mahatma Gandhi famously said, and, you know, I don't need to remind you of this, but I'm gonna anyways. Uh, first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. Guess what stage we're in. They are fighting us. They are really trying. Bitcoin holding strong. Um... All right, thanks for being here, everyone. Excited to have interviewed my Bitcoin Obi-Wan Kenobi. The one and only Daniel Prince. Princey, the Prince of Persia. Uh, Fender Princeton, the Pleasure Principal. Prince me, I must be dreaming. Princeton University, Princey Von Da Vinci. 
I could go on. But seriously, uh, this guy has been a significant influence on me, uh, as for many others. And you'll find out why uh, soon with this interview. His pod, Once Bitten, has been going strong for over three years. Bitcoin strong, Bitcoin-centric, sovereign-centric. He's a big proponent of the, the separation of education and state. Uh, so many reasons to love this guy. So stay with us here on N21. Before we get to the interview, uh, Bitcoin 23, I need not remind you, fast approaching. Uh, the big one in Miami Beach, Florida. Uh, you heard my interview with Scott W. Lee, the event producer. Uh, so with my nomad code... That's all one word, nomad code. You get 10% off your tickets for Bitcoin 23. You might want to attend this event. You're going to meet people. You're going to have fun. Uh, you know, some people end up with jobs from going to this thing. So uh, check it out. A lot of fun to be with your fellow Bitcoiners. Uh, shout out to Bubba with a 10,000 sat boost on the Fountain app. Uh, for the little program here, Nomad 21. Really appreciate it, Bubba. He's my number one. He's my number one, folks. Uh, so if you see him on uh, Twitter, uh, Bitcoin Twitter, make sure you say hi to Bubba. Really appreciate it, my friend. Uh, without further ado, uh, let's get to the interview. Here is the one and only uh, Daniel Prince. Welcome to Nomad 21. This is Scott Lee. I'm the event producer for Bitcoin 23. And all I'm asking you is just get your tail down to Miami in May and get involved in the conversations. You won't regret it. Daniel Prince, welcome to Nomad 21. Thanks for being here, my friend. Great to, uh, great to be part of the show. Thank you very much for inviting me on. Yeah, I mean, we've got you on the other side of the microphone, so be nimble, be quick. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, and, th and thank you. And thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for, for contributing to Bitcoin and, and finding your, your, own, your own little niche. Uh, we, we need everybody listening to, to, to step up and do what they need to do, whether it's writing, singing, dancing, uh, podcasting, <laughs> bring it. <laughs> right absolutely uh, we, you know we need more people for sure and it is working i think it's growing um it's been how long since you have not you and i spoke originally and in, in in the spirit of keeping my anonymity i'm not going to say exactly where or when but uh it was it was a couple of years ago at least i think yeah um yeah 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 i oof I could search it even if I remember what handle you were under at that stage uh, and find. <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it, the exact date. I, I want to. It's not important the the exact date, but it's it's uh, really uh, quite a journey for me because you, uh, aside from you know, you were speaking about uh, people finding their niche and everything. You've sort of fostered my journey, and and I appreciate you for that. Uh, but also. At the time we spoke, the pandemic had been uh, in effect with lockdowns for, I don't know, maybe not even a year at that point. Um, mm -hmm. And you kind of woke me up. I mean, there's no doubt you had a big part in, in waking me up. I was looking at it as something that was, uh, you know, because in, in Toronto, Ontario, where I was at the time, there had been the SARS epidemic 
and it was a big scare. Mm-hmm. Ooh, you know, world news and, and the whole thing. And it, it fizzled out as quickly as, as it started. And I had kind of looked at it like the, 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 the lockdown situation that we, we faced in 2020 as a similar kind of thing and that it was going to fizzle out very quickly. Uh, but that certainly didn't happen. And, and I remember you planting those seeds in my mind. Um, and then I, I began to, to go, oh, okay. I mean, I know about Bitcoin and sound money and how the current, uh, you know, top 1% of the world would do anything to hold on to a system like that where they, you know, are incentivized, um, where they, where they profit. And then suddenly I started putting two and two together. <laughs> uh, it's kind of, <laughs> it's, it's mind blowing. And I, and I, I, you know, I don't know whether to appreciate you or to curse you, you know, because of the, like they say, you know, it's, it's great to be unaware sometimes, but no, I, I really do appreciate it because now, you know, I can take steps and I did take some, some dramatic steps by, you know, uh, packing up my van and, and leaving Canada and, uh, trying to get out from underfoot of, of these psychopathic uh, uh, leaders we have in this world. So I, I thank you for that. But I, w- I was reflecting on this as, as your interview got closer and closer. No, oh, you're, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for the kind words. It's, it's nice to know that, uh, you know, that the podcasts and I give all the credit to the guests that, that come on and give up their time to, you know, share their views because like you, I was, that this not, nothing made sense. Uh, I just launched a podcast in January 2020, and um, yeah, just literally to talk about Bitcoin, uh, and then all of this craziness started happening. Um, it was a great time to start a podcast in in retrospect because a lot of people had a lot more time on their hands, and anybody that I was inviting onto the show were just saying, "Yeah, let's go." People I thought I would never be able to access. Uh, and that just supercharged my own education. But I was lucky enough to have started that that podcast and had that platform just literally to have the most interesting conversations I've ever had in my life with some of the most interesting people I've never even contemplated of meeting or speaking to and just hit and record and sharing that conversation with the wider world. Uh, you know, it was just an amazing journey and and uh, yeah i'm i'm really humbled to hear that people like yourself have have got some value just out of that absolutely and you were um one of the first that i started listening to uh i know rabbit hole recap was a big one mm-hmm. um yourself and i can't think of all i mean i was probably uh, Valis, certainly, yeah. Another yeah, Canuck. Bitcoin rapid fire. What's with all the Canucks in this space? It, it's, it's they not- are desperate people. <laughs> yes, certainly. <laughs> <laughs> when you put somebody like Justin Trudeau in power, yep. over, you know, we we only have one road, and it's called desperation. <laughs> it, it's so true. And, and look what happened with the uh, the trucker thing, right? Yeah, that woke so many people up. It did. I. Uh, Oh, I could cry. And, you know, some of the things that happened during that and, and the, the slander that our government sprayed over people, it was preposterous. 
Um, mm. But I think that went a long way into revealing the true face of, of the Canadian government uh, as well, like Christina Freeland and Trudeau yeah. and all the cronies. Just uh, disgusting. Were you still within the borders at that stage or had you already kind of no uh, i had i had left i uh you know i did participate in i think i hit five protests uh in toronto in stratford that's stratford ontario of course and um uh, kitchener ontario and what i saw were some like a small but passionate group of people but i just saw that I didn't sense it was going to affect any change. And what I was learning more and more at the time was that Bitcoin and voting with your feet and voting with your money uh, was a much more effective way to, to uh, you know, to control your circumstances and to effect change. And I think, you know, uh, podcasts like your own, uh, once bitten, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, uh, had a had a, a a a grand influence on on me starting to to think that way and to put it into practice. So, wow, amazing! Is that Stratford upon Avon you were it referencing? Is, it well, it's Stratford, Ontario, but it's inspired uh, by that because uh, right. that's the Stratford Festival, uh, mm -hmm. which is a Shakespearean theater festival. Yep. And it's huge. It's huge. Uh, and people come from all over the USA and Canada to uh, to see the performances. And uh, myself, as as an actor, I've always had a great love for Stratford and a, an appreciation that I grew up very close so I could get there and, and see some great performers and players. Like, you know, the big names that come out of there, like before William Shatner was ever Captain Kirk, he was on the stage at Stratford. And... Wow. Uh, Christopher Plummer as well before he ever considered doing the sound of music film he was on stage at Stratford performing Shakespeare so um yes yeah, home, home of the beebs home of the beebs also I'm I, good for you that's a, some good Canadian pop culture knowledge there man. we we home swapped there we stayed there for a week oh did we you really our, yeah when we were on our uh, two and a half year wild nomadic adventure with the kids we home right. with a family that lived right there right on the it's, it's not a lake right it's more of a great a great it's big a pond or is it it's a river okay yeah. uh yeah. but where the river kind of like um burgeons and becomes kind of more of like a lake and uh there's all the swans and the ducks uh, we, we yeah just, it's beautiful uh, it's so beautiful yeah. We were staying in their house there, and then they had a, uh, a holiday home up in the, the Muskoka Lakes, Lake Joseph, I think. Oh, wow, and, yeah. Uh, we went and stayed up there, too, where, where the mosquitoes were as big as sparrows. <laughs> well, you know, with beauty comes terror. You know, yeah. unfortunately, it's a, a yin-yang kind of thing. But we were <laughs> but, walking around downtown, and, like, there's the star in the tarmac. And we're like, huh? Home of Justin Bieber? Like, right. You would, never, yeah. you would never guess. No. It yeah, is, it's a uh, fantastic town. And it, for us, it was, uh, we used to drive up to Lake Huron, uh, which is not far from there. But between my hometown and Lake Huron, the beach, Stratford was kind of a halfway point where you could gas up or, uh, you know, grab something to eat or uh, or just spend some time because it was such a beautiful place down by the river there. And and the downtown is, is really sweet. It's an old city for mm -hmm. for Canada, you know, for, for the new world. It's It's an old city. 
and uh just just wonderful yeah it brings back memories just talking about it i'm glad yeah, you got we, to see it we we visited the museum we did all the things you know it was uh it was great we got we got talking to a lot of the locals uh yeah it was uh unfortunately there were no it wasn't um festival time or anything like that so we didn't get to see any of the the stage shows or plays but right. uh, yeah it's a lovely part of the world oh good good awesome uh can you get in to your rabbit hole story for us i've heard bits and pieces of it being a, a fan of the show or a, a longtime listener but you, you've got an interesting story you came from fiat world i mean some people come from fiat world you come from fiat world <laughs> i did <laughs> right yeah it, from within the belly of the beast yeah uh, yeah without even realizing it um and if you back it up even uh further back uh you know that was kind of handed down to me on a platter by my father who joined the uh swiss bank corporation sn yeah uh sbc uh when he was 16 years old so back in the late 60s um when you literally just walked into london and people pulled you in the doors and you were sat in a seat and given a salary you know that 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 was how easy it was to get a job in those days right and all of the banks were opening up in um in the city uh and him growing up in in london on the east end side of london uh you know grew up in a house that didn't even have a toilet inside the house he used to have to go to the toilet in the back garden in a little cabin <laughs> yes. and then before you know it he's a, a financier a banker at yeah. the age of 16 i mean come on like it's That's so wild <laughs> it's just so obvious what was going on right. uh, they were just setting up shop in the city you know raking people through the doors getting them sat down and then he bounced around uh, inside there and learnt on the job uh, applied none of the knowledge he had learned at school other than you know basic math skills and um yeah he spent 35 years i think at, at the same corporation even when they merged with uh, ubs in the late 90s when there was that round of mergers going on in the financial world which was just consolidation and more centralization of power yeah, absolutely then um when it came to my turn to start thinking about a career I knew I never wanted to be chained to a desk. Whenever anyone would ask me, you know, you got the classic family meetings. What did you want to do when you grow up? <laughs> yeah, you had you know, those the, the surface, the surface level conversations are so bad. Uh, and it'd be, oh, I don't know. It went from policeman to fireman to, you know, uh, like forest worker or something, landscape gardener. I'd always enjoyed a lot of, um, Camping and outdoor activities, I'd always uh, gone to like the local scout group and we were a a sea scout group. And so we'd always be on the water, canoeing, kayaking, sailing. And I just loved activity, right? Which teenage boy didn't. That's right. When you're locked up in an educational institution for five days a week, eight hours a day, you're just yearning to get out there. And we didn't have at that point, we didn't, of course, we didn't have internet. Uh, We would have the distraction of, uh, what did we have in those days? Video games. yeah, Game Boys and, and um, the the Mega Drives and the Super Nintendo systems, they were kind of like starting to appear. Uh, but if you didn't have one, you didn't have one. And so you were out on your bike and doing all the things. Um, but I got to 19. Uh, I, we, we have something in the UK 
Um, after GCSEs, which I think is equivalent to SATs, we have something called A-levels, okay, which is supposed to set you up to go into university before you study for your degree. And I was lucky in the fact that this still wasn't like a societal kind of um, expectation for you to go to university like it has become now, which is a right. disease. Yeah. Uh, and um, I managed to, I was doing some filler course. It was an AS filler course. An AS is half, half and an A level. This is how desperate right. the, right. the education yeah, sure. system is. Yeah. And uh, that was just to fill time because you had to do X amount of time in a week and all of this kind of rubbish rules and regulations. And part of the course, you had to go out and find yourself a uh, a two-week internship over your Easter holidays. So, you know, school breaks up, but no holidays for you. Go find a, a two-week internship somewhere and then come home, come back and uh, write about it and submit it as part of your coursework. So I went home. Right, I need a job. What am I going to do? Um, my dad said, I will ask around the floor, see if anybody needs interns, or I'll ask some of the, the brokers because he was in contact. He had a big network. And sure enough, uh, there was a brokerage uh, that were happy uh, to take on a young lad for two weeks that's literally just going to run and get their coffees and their sandwiches for them yeah, for free. Yeah, for sure. So that's what internships all about. Exactly. Off right. I went, and I did that for two weeks, and my mind was blown uh, having um, been exposed to... Uh, I walked in to the, um, the spot dollar mark A desk at Tullet in Tokyo, in 1994, just off of Liverpool Street in the city of London. And Dollar Mark was the absolute biggest um, and busiest market by a long, long stretch. And so you were right about, in the heart of it. Yeah. And um, thinking about it now, it's very, you know, why dollar against Deutschmark? You know, why was that the thing? Why wasn't it dollars against sterling or dollars against yen? You know, this country that had been completely destroyed uh, and right. uh, resurrected had just, you know, become this behemoth. Um, and now it's, I'm only starting put, to put all of these uh, kind of epiphanies together, thinking back about right. those days. Because, of course, we don't have the Deutschmark anymore. We have the, the Euro. So anyway, I walk in. You had to be there by 6.15 a.m., 6.30 a.m. Uh, so that meant getting up at 4.45 a.m. to take a, a one-mile walk to the station to get on the train, to take a one-hour train uh, to make sure that you were there on time in case of any delays and, and whatever else. So you'd get into um, and into the office, and the guys would sit. There would be 16 of them, I remember, and they would sit in a circle, and they would have in front of them about 16 little speaker boxes that would mm -hmm. direct, direct links to their... Uh, banks, their customers. So it'd be a direct link to the dollar mark foreign exchange trader at Swiss Bank, at Goldman, at J. Aaron, at Chemical, at Chase, at Bankers, at N Nations. All of these banks, you'd have a direct line. So a guy would sit down, maybe he's got 10 to 12 customers, and he would just repeat two numbers into the microphone. And that two numbers was the, the last two figures of the bid and offer of the, the dollar mark price. So if dollar mark 
what was at that time 119.68 for example like uh, one mark would get you one dollar nineteen cents and you know right six eight down to down to that tiny amount um that would be the bid and then the offer would be 119.70 so all you right. would say would be uh eight figure the zero would be a figure and yeah. if you had the best bid in the room you would flick on an orange light if you had the best offer in the room you would flick on a green light so everybody knows the price is uh let, let's use it let's say it's five eight yeah at current current uh, current time five eight that means somebody's customer has said i would pay five for dollar marks somebody has said i'll sell eight so it's five eight five eight you just sit there repeating the numbers okay, to your okay. Clients down a microphone to your clients. Maybe one of your clients says six bid. So you then have the best bid in the room. You've got to put on your orange light, six bid, six eight dollar mark, six eight seven offered, six seven green light goes on over there. And then right. bam, 50 yours. That means somebody's being given $50 million at six. Somebody scream, they just yell, right? You're like, 50 yours at six dollar mark. Bam. He's like, I'll buy 10. So now we're six off of the 40. And then the best bid is four. And this would be going on and on and on the minute you walked in to the minute you walked out. It was the most electric atmosphere when, when it was busy as well, it was yeah. just absolutely crazy. And these guys are, were supercharged maniacs as well. Right. Uh, you know, the, the films that you watch, uh, or that you might have even participated in, are um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> are pretty pretty on point, you know. There's a grain of truth, right, to that to that energy. Yeah, you watch and the Wolf the- of Wall Street and that energy in that room and all of that uh, theatrics and yeah, that is so many people are, are very highly strung, stressed, uh, adrenaline running yeah. through your um, body, and the psychological hits. makeup of of a person that it would take to to do that day in and day out. And, mm-hmm. and what they would have to do to uh, to, to incentivize themselves to continue to do that at such a high energy drain. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, and so I spent two weeks doing that and I wrote up, God knows what I, I wrote, what thesis it was, and I, I didn't care. I just knew that I'd done a good enough job that when, when school and college, whatever was over, um, I could probably just call them up and say, yeah, I'd come back. And that's what I did. So right. that's how I got I got the job. I I left college, um, sixth form college is is what it was at the age of nineteen, and uh, we contacted the guy that was running that desk and said I, I'm I'm free. Do you have any spots? And they're like, yeah, come in. You're now our trainee. And I started uh, working there full time in the middle of 1995. Wow. Um, and then now you realize what you are part of, you know, now you've been down the Bitcoin rabbit hole. Uh, you couldn't have been any closer to the spigot of money if you tried really, uh, because, you know, it hits the banks first and then the banks are, you know, washing it through the brokerage market to, uh, to get the best, uh, rates that they can. And, um, you know, they think they're all being clever and, and trading these, uh, amazing, uh, deals. Um, yeah. Uh, I lasted in that arena for about three years mm-hmm. uh, because AI crept in and oh, all yeah. of a sudden you have robots that could just do the exact same. Uh, so I moved across to what's called uh, currency options 
foreign exchange currency options, which uh, is a derivative of the spot market, which was uh, a lot more complex. You couldn't just have uh, robots uh, repeating two numbers, you, you know, well, right. structure to it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I did for the next, uh, yeah, well, I started in that realm in 99 and I left in two, I left, well, I left the markets altogether in 2014 uh, after moving from London to Singapore in 99. And uh, we spent 15 years in Singapore and, uh, yeah, I had the four kids over there and left in, in 2014 after I, um, I had an epiphany that enough is enough really um didn't want to be in that atmosphere anymore uh, was was it bitcoin as an influence as an instigating force for that or was it just i'm done with this shit mm. no I'd, I'd heard about bitcoin several several points up until then and just dismissed it uh you know i was still full of hubris and the dollar is king um these these internet geeks with their their mm -hmm. funny money what do they think they're doing uh and then i thought mount gox when i was reading about mount gox that hack the exchange that was hacked i i thought that was um you know bitcoin plc had just been completely shut down i i had done zero reading into it and i thought bitcoin was a company with a ceo and all of these stupid things sure but, yeah um no i i'd i'd really started falling out of love with the idea of of working so long and um really with no end in sight just running as fast as i could on the hamster wheel just yeah. to stand still come the end of the month come the end of the month though still net zero and I, I you know i was paid a good wage i couldn't figure out what was going on we were doing all the right things we'd cut our rent we'd cut our um spending habits we'd cut our lifestyle uh but the you know the prices just kept running away as people everybody knows you know you don't have to be a genius to figure that out right something's up and i just wanted a life change i just could not i remember 2012 year 2012 i, I walked in on like jan 3rd or something after christmas break and i dipped down under my desk to flick my computer on and i was just like oh my god another 10 to 20 years of this shit like really like yeah. no I can't, I can't do this. <laughs> yeah. So I started looking. Uh, I started looking for for answers and long conversations with friends, and just trying to find people that had exited before and how they'd done it. Um, you had to be very careful to extricate yourself from the company because mm -hmm. they'd forced you to accrue stock uh, within the company. Um, that was part of the whole restructuring after two thousand and eight. Uh, you know, they they said, well, if you you want a job you have to buy back the company stock this is how they <laughs> right, because yeah. it's such a grand business model yeah like we need our employees to buy wage yeah right. i think it was 30 it's like you're, you're going to take an x percent pay cut and on top of that 30 percent of your wage i think it was uh is going into buying back the stock but don't worry that's going to pump the numbers and you know when you yeah. when you retire it's going to be you're like you, you sign your life away for that shit, sinking ships pay big dividends yeah wow. exactly so you had wow. to be careful i had to uh, navigate those waters and then even when i left i'm gonna say to this hands, you you're a brave man at that point that's uh true bravery true courage to me to to realize that the jig is up that you you cannot go on and uh, without 
you know, knowing what's coming your way afterwards, you, you just walk away from it. And mm. I've got to say, uh, I did the same thing. And it was well before Bitcoin. It was uh, I was a, a sales representative for a, a beer company in Toronto. Mm -hmm. And I remember the day. It was a hot, humid summer day, uh, downtown Toronto. And for those of you who don't know, Toronto is like a Chicago-sized city. And the the heat was sweltering. I'm in this air-conditioned minivan and uh, full of, like, point-of-sale supplies, like coasters and tent cards for, you know, bar countertops. And uh, I just thought to myself the same thing. Like, I, what, another 15 years of this shit? <laughs> I, this is not what I signed up for. This is not what I imagined when I was an eight-year-old. And, and I remember driving to the lake uh you know right in the city right on the lake uh, on the waterfront parked the van took my tie off uh rolled my pants up took took my shoes off and walked into the lake and there was a breakwater out about i don't know 25 meters and i waded out to that breakwater got up on it <laughs> i just lay down took my shirt off and 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 lie in the sun and just thought okay now what because i'm done with that that van is being returned to the company tomorrow and I, i'm just done so kudos to you for making that decision because i've been there yeah it's a it's a tough one mate it really is and you know for what keeps you there is the i mean for me i had four kids at that point yeah um, that's why i say i didn't even have yeah. kids so it was a lot easier <laughs> for me to make that choice and i still struggled with it but that's what keeps you there because I was doing all the right things, you mm -hmm. know, that you're told, get yourself a good job, get yourself a good career, work yourself up the corporate ladder, get yourself a nice house, get yourself a decent car and make sure the kids are going to, you know, the, the best schools that you can afford. And all of that was just slowly kind of weighing down on your mental state because you, you can't think clearly when all of that is you know, weighing down on you. Mm -hmm. And that's what keeps people where they are. And yeah. the the little promise of, you know, those stocks or the little promise of that little promotion. Um, it's also insidious and set up to to keep you running on that hamster wheel. So like, you know, ripping off the Band-Aid, that's the only thing you could do. And it became uh, evident to me that that was the only way it was going to happen. Um, and uh, the, the book that helped me out actually was The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. Um, okay. And I, I can't believe still to this day that uh, I'd have even picked a book like that up. Uh, and it was only at the um, recommendation of a friend of mine who had been listening to me, you know, pitch and moan, I suppose, over a lunch. Uh, right. And he said, yeah, you should, you should go and read this book. Uh, I'm like, all right. Okay, fine. And, but I did, and I couldn't stop reading it. And I read it, that was November 2013, and by March 2014, we were gone. And we had sold pretty much everything we owned. We had handed back the keys to the uh, the rental. We sold the car on the day before we left. That, that was a, an interesting one because we were gone, man. We were out of the country. That was Singapore, Dubai. Lived here for 15 years. Had all our kids here, had all our stuff, gone. I'm like, whoa. 
Yeah. That wow. was quick on the back of a book. And right. uh, lots of sleepless nights, lots of conversations with my wife. How did how did we how do we make this work? Is this a midlife crisis? Is th- is this a knee-jerk reaction to something? But is I think that's really what, what the midlife want? crisis is, and they gave it this name to make it sound like you're a weirdo and you'll get over yeah. it. But a midlife exactly. crisis is exactly that. It's like, I can't do this anymore. But mm-hmm. the societal pressure to convince you that it's just a passing phase, you know, or it's just a sacrifice you have to make. Well, I was 37, so I hope it wasn't midlife. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah, I get you. Yeah. True that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're right. And um, yeah, I think that idea, you know, midlife crisis is probably a psyop to uh, to make you look weak and uh, keep you where you are. For sure. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, man. Um, so then Bitcoin comes along. First thing that comes along is what the fuck did we just do? <laughs> um, <laughs> we 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 were straight off to Thailand. Um, we we bought a um, an investment property when our first child was born, uh, so almost eighteen years ago now in in Koh Samui or on Koh Samui. It's a small Thai island, uh, which was. Um, you know, in retrospect, a, a great investment at the time. We we had the the money and we could make that work, and that was all good. So we had that that we could go to. So we went there and we just dropped the knee for a few months. And like, right, okay, let's just figure out what the hell we just did. That right. was crazy, and let's figure out kids' education because that was the thing that kept coming up uh, when when you're telling all of your friends and family. What about the kids? What about the kids? You know, you're being irresponsible. Yeah. This is this isn't about you. You can't just you can't just be unemployable. You like what you're gonna go bankrupt. You're gonna live under. A, I'm like, I know. I've had all of these <laughs> dark thoughts. Yeah. Please don't echo them back to me. I, I've kind of like uh, got them all square in my brain. Uh, you know what was it was going to be okay, and I could always come back. And you know, uh, you know, one door closes, a thousand more open. That that kind of thinking. Um, and that's what we did. We went and, and hung out there and tried to fall into some kind of homeschooling routine, uh, which was a mistake um, because uh, for those that have ever done it or n- have ever looked into it, um, homeschooling is kind of a misnomer. It's, it's, a, it's not the right term. Um, it, it's much more of a mindset than a schedule or a system. Schedules and systems are for institutions, uh, education, right. Um, yeah, I, I would say uh, schedules and systems are for ed- institutions that are yeah. teaching. Then uh, there's a there's a stark difference between teaching and learning. Um, you know, you'll know this if you've been taught something or if you've learned something. Uh, what you've learned is going to be way more stickier than what you've just been taught, and probably not gotcha. paying half gotcha. attention to. Okay. So we we fell into the rabbit hole of self directed self directed education, and then challenging the education system in our minds like whoa like hang on a minute what is that really for and what did i really actually take from it why did i spend 15 years in in that brick and mortar school and how comes i never applied anything that i'd ever been taught 
to my job, my career. And, yeah. you know, yeah. by by anybody's measure, I guess you could say that was a pretty successful career as well. I was always deemed or doomed to be a very Mr. Joe average. Uh, if you'd have spoken to any of my teachers or peer group, you know, going through through school. Right. So it, it, none of it made sense. And then you start reading books like uh, John Taylor Gatto's books or Sir Ken Robinson's books or watching their podcasts, uh, excuse me, YouTube, TED Talks. Sure. Uh, yeah. Peter Gray. And um, you start following people that have done the same kind of thing as you. I, I found a family that were traveling the world with their three kids. So reached out to them and they gave us a bunch of pointers and then put us into another family and then onto another family. You're like, Oh, wow. There's shit tons of people out here doing this. Like we can travel, we can educate, we can meet God knows how many new people and families and let's go. Uh, that's what we decided to do. And we've, we figured out a way to do that via the sharing economy by joining a, uh, a home swapping website called lovehomeswap.com, which is still going today, and we still use it to this day. I joined that website back end of 13, so I've been a member of that for, for over 10 years, and we still home swap with people. This is how we travel. Cool. Uh, so it makes it much more incredible, affordable. Incredible tool. Yeah, it's so yeah. It, it's amazing. Uh, and not only that, you get to meet a bunch of people as well when you're when you're doing it that way. Uh, so that's what we did. We started traveling with the kids and we figured we'd do it for six months. Then that become nine months, then a year, a year and a half. Two and a half years later, we were still bouncing around. It afforded us um, the, the opportunity to to travel much further and to, much wider than we could have ever, ever have imagined because people, they approach you with the idea of a swap and you end up going to countries you'd never even considered going to just because it's a roof over your head. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, the agenda is governed by the people you're participating with. Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. So we would end up like visiting. I mean, Croatia was one special place, this tiny Island, like the furthest Island off the mainland in Croatia. And these people approached and said, Oh, we'd love to be able to do a swap with you one day. Yeah, okay. That sounds amazing. We're, we're down. And we had the most amazing. So we did a non-simultaneous swap. They uh, they had um, they had a small apartment uh, that they would um, live in. And then they had like a big old kind of uh, renovated, beautiful old historic building right downtown, which they rented out as part of their business. Uh, and so we were in that whilst they were on the island at the same time which was so nice because they looked after us so unbelievably well. Um, <laughs> showed us all the best places to go to. And uh, I remember one night, I think it was just our second night, uh, we were only just settling into the our surroundings for a couple of days. I was sat down with my wife. Uh, the, the kids had just gone to bed and there was a little knock at the door and it was dark outside. It was September time. So, it, you know, it must have been around 9.30, I guess. Right. And I went to the door and I opened it and it was the, the owner of the house. And he's about the same age as me. I opened the door and said, oh, hi, e everything okay? He's like, yeah, everything is great. And you? 
Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we just had dinner. We're having a having a glass of red wine. Would you like to join us? You're like, oh no, no, no. Do you like football? I'm like, yeah, I like football. Do you want to come to the pub with me and watch football with all the guys because it's Champions League right now? So I looked at my wife and she just rolled her eyes. I'm like, yeah, I want to come to the pub. Yeah, so great. then you get to meet all the locals and uh, yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. It was amazing, and they've got. Um, such great food and wine there and everybody's making their own stuff. And uh, yeah, it was amazing. So these are the kind of experiences that became commonplace. When you step out your door. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I I just wanted to add, you know, here I am uh, having left, you know, Tommy Canada and uh, I'm way down on the, the, the Gulf coast of Florida and uh you know you meet some people and you hang out just a little bit and then suddenly my my friend here uh takes me to a hockey game he said you want to go to the hockey game and i'm like what because i'm in you know the deep south I, i'm not expecting yep. hockey down here of course they have the uh the, the local hockey club here and a wonderful facility the arena is uh, great and and uh again Things happen that you would never expect if you just put yourself out there to uh, to be aware of them. I guess. Yeah, hundred percent. That's so cool. Uh, and so, and then Bitcoin shows up. Yeah, that is when Bitcoin <laughs> shows up. Is it really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, so you're traveling. Uh, you're home swapping and and yeah, exactly. enjoying this this new take on life which must be incredibly refreshing now i um yes exactly uh and i of course i needed to figure out a way uh to carry over the savings that i'd screwed away you know i'd had an 18 year career i'd done my best the best i could to squirrel away as much as i could you know every month or whatever, every time you got a bonus. But you just get scammed by so many of these asshole financial advisors that are just like you know, sharks swimming around that whole scene, mm-hmm. um, which was a real shame. Um, and, and I was just looking for a different way, better answers. And, of course, I was reading all of the – stock market books, stock pickers books, you know, how to get rich in a week and all this kind of stupid stuff. And you're like, none of this makes any sense. Um, I know I had, I'd already fostered a, a low time preference uh, approach to investing um, and did a lot of research into stocks and shares that, that I'd be looking to invest into. Uh, and that's when Real Vision launched in probably mid-2014, if memory serves. And, Raul um, Paul. Raul Paul <laughs> and Grant Williams. Yes. Uh, Grant uh, was a friend of mine from Singapore. He lived in Singapore. So okay. when they launched, I had no idea who Raul was, never heard of him up until that point. When they launched and um, Grant told me what he was doing, uh, I was like, okay, tell me, where do I sign up? Let's, you know, Let's have a look. I'd be interested. I need to learn more. I've got to look after, you know, my family. I'm unemployed. I've got to make sure the uh, that that the money I've stacked away is going to be safe. And he was a big gold bug. He'd he'd always been um, 
on the conference scenes talking about gold and you know you could watch some of his stuff on YouTube and it was very interesting and I was into the gold funds and gold mining stocks and all of that kind of stuff even physical silver uh, when I left Singapore I bought a bunch of physical silver and that would be stored in a you know a, a, in a safe some warehouse out near Changi Airport <laughs> right <laughs> Where, yeah. Wherever the um the, the company you know held it for you, yeah. Um, so I started watching Real Vision, and I was blown away by the quality of the um interviews because they were long form, right? Yeah, hour and a half interview with the most incredible minds that you were like. Oh my goodness! Like you know, what do you mean I can get to watch Kyle Bass talk about markets for an hour and a half? You know, I knew all of these names, but I'd never had access to them, like Jim yeah. Rogers. They had him on. Wow. And I was really lapping it up. I really started going deeper down the rabbit hole of investing and seeing the way these guys were um, uh, talking about markets and what what they thought was coming and where to where to invest. And I loved it. But then Bitcoin just kept knocking on the door and I couldn't ignore it. And I was trying to read as much about that at the same time as watching uh all of the um in what ways would it knock like how would you uh, become aware of it again just articles uh, i suppose um because you were in the investment realm doing research you would inevitably Mm -hmm. stumble across it okay yeah exactly Uh, uh, and then um i remember asking just because it hadn't died i thought it had died yeah you know uh, and I remember asking Grant, uh, are you guys ever going to do anything on Bitcoin? Are you ever going to cover that? And he said, actually, keep an eye out for the next couple of weeks because we are dropping some interviews about Bitcoin. And I think it might be a bit more interesting than you think. Because at that point, I still thought it was a bit of a joke. Mm-hmm. And then the interviews came and I watched the interviews and I saw the quality of the people that were being interviewed and the quality of the things that they were saying that I just had to learn more after that. And those those guys were people like uh, Wences Cesares, uh, Tura de Mista, right. uh, Trace Mayer, the ones that stick out. Yeah. Um, and then I just started following these guys on Twitter, and then you start following a few other people on Twitter, and you start doing more of your own research. Then you find Andreas Antonopoulos, and you watch all of his videos. Uh, so this was um, all through like 2015. I was doing all of that. Uh, and then um, at some point you start building up enough conviction. Like, well, okay, well, let's have a run at this thing and and let's start building a position and let's see how it goes and let's take it slowly. And, <laughs> and the rest is history. Yeah, and the rest is history. Because you cannot ever stop learning. That That's... That is the most addictive thing about Bitcoin, the learning. Yeah. It, it's not the number go up at all because how many people have come in and numbers gone straight down on them, but they're still here. Because yeah, you're, of the you're talking to them. I'm the right. 2017, 2018 guy. <laughs> there you go. Mm. But because what is because Bitcoin has kept you intellectually stimulated. Yeah, absolutely. This amount of time and because you feel like you've never felt before and because it's managed to align so many dots that have never been aligned before in your mind and it's helped you see clearer when you look back at your past 
and it gives you a much brighter hope for the future. You can't ever let that go. You, you just have to keep digging and digging and digging. That's why there's no end to the rabbit hole. There's no bottom. Even when you do find a bottom, you'll just keep digging and then you'll fall down something else. <laughs> That's right. Like, you'll create a new, uh, you, you'll go to new depths for uh, the others to follow you down. Uh, absolutely but incredible. you know that's not that's not to say i didn't get um tricked by the the bright lights and the shiny things uh i absolutely did uh, come 2017 when it was all going crazy yeah and um you know all of this other stuff kept coming at you constantly like ethereum is this and that and litecoin is silver to bitcoin's gold and dash is um yeah i, I can't remember what they were trying to tell you what dash was uh, yeah. So I started. Dash was, the, it was just the fastest. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, whatever yeah. it was, it was crazy. So, so I started um, diversifying my crypto portfolio, and you know, it's just doing the, all of the wrong things. Yeah, I probably did that. But, I mean, what a, a great half. way to learn, you know, and what a, yeah. a great way to forge yourself in, in fire. Because I think that was personally necessary for me, a non-technical. Um, a non-technically versed individual and trying to just for me and this was my turning point was trying to stay on top of this new apparently uh, the so-called new technology of of coins that would come out every week like every mm -hmm. it was ridiculous and i remember i said to uh, a friend who was into it as well i'm like i'm, I'm done with this i think i'm bitcoin only now I think that all this stuff is a joke and there's always the ethereum killer that comes out the bitcoin killer that comes out the fastest transactional coin known to man uh it happens every week and <clears throat> i'm just tired of it and i think bitcoin has staying power and i think that's the one so yeah i came to the same decision Thank God. <laughs> I know, thank yeah. But I mean, well, I, th I think it took all those sides. I, I won't thank God. I'll, th I'll thank Maxis. Thank, thank Maxis. Thank, thank Maxis for, for sure. <laughs> for sure. And those were the guys. And really, they, and when, when the big crashes came, like for me in uh, you know 2018, everything plummeted dramatically, including Bitcoin. But uh, Bitcoin still maintained its followership there was still information there were still people building there was all the talk of lightning network if you recall during the mm -hmm. the crash of 2018 mm -hmm. uh so to me I, I i sense that this has staying power there are things happening people are working on this project developers are real in this world i couldn't say that for any of the other shit coins that were uh you know beginning their descent into the void at that point so incredible uh i just want to say yeah. daniel that story is amazing your uh your 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 journey from you know the belly of the beast in the fiat world all the way to this point incredible <laughs> I, Actually, I, remember. I didn't get a moment to, to 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 say that uh to you but just my goodness that's Thank wild you. I I remember, I remember actually buying, I think it was the second time I bought Bitcoin and uh, was at 
I was in a, uh, you know, one of these kids like jimborees, I, I think they might be called, but it's like these mega long slides and it's all inside a huge warehouse, ball pools. Oh, everywhere. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And the, the, the the place was going absolutely nuts. My four kids were going crazy all over the place. My wife's running around trying to keep an eye on them, and like giving me the side eye. And like, what are you doing over there? Give me some help. I've got laptop open. I'm on the Wi-Fi and I'm trying to buy a Bitcoin. I can't remember through Kraken, I think. <laughs> because for whatever reason, whatever I'd read that morning or listened to that morning, I was like, oh my fuck, we do not have enough Bitcoin. I got to get some more Bitcoin. Yeah, right. yeah, as yeah. soon as we get there, I'm going to log on to the Wi-Fi. And uh, and that, you know, everybody's got that crazy story <laughs> where um, you start, the epiphanies start dropping. Uh, that will always be a, a fond memory. I must have that on a spreadsheet somewhere, I suppose. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, of all, all the folks you've talked to over the years now with, with your podcast, uh, which you started back in 17, is that correct? Around 2017? No, or, I started it. Oh, uh, 20. Jan, I think 20. Jan 20. Yeah. Jan 20. That's right. So of, of all the people that you've talked to, um, who gives you the most hope or inspires you into thinking, yes, we, we will win. We will overcome this crazy tyrannic, tyrannic, tyrannical uh, period mm. in history. Good question. And there can be more than one, obviously, but you know, who, who are. Yeah. I'd have I'm, to go back because um, that, you know, running the podcast helped so much with. This is like your bloody, who, if you had one orange pill question. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. that everybody goes, no, oh, why did he have to ask me that? Yeah, exactly. Um, mm. Because for me, I just oh. keep, I allow myself to slip into this darkness when you're doom scrolling on Twitter and you see all this bad right. news and all these terrible things happening. And then I listen to somebody like like Jeff Booth <laughs> and he just makes it all seem so clear and better. He's like, you don't have to do anything. You just hold your Bitcoin, step out of the way and watch, you know, the circus tent collapse. Yeah. Which, I mean, how, does that statement ring true to you, or is that is that just uh, delusional? No, it does. It does ring true. Okay. Um, and there's, you know, a Jeff again has a has a great way of, you know, expressing himself. And I think it was his article, uh, "Signal Through the Noise," um, where he's, you know, he says you can't change a system from within the system. So anybody that has, you know, visions of grandeur becoming the next politician that's going to change the system or you're going to be the school teacher that goes in and upends the education system or you're going to be the doctor that goes in and upends the health city no you're not because you're part of the system the system when, when people say it triggers a lot of people when i tell when i tell them this I'm like, oh the education's so broken I'm like no it's not it's running as designed it's as planned absolutely i couldn't agree with you more and same with the health system it's not broken it's, no, it's running perfectly well yes you know absolutely and i want to shout that at well. people all the time uh mm -hmm. yeah and in the bitcoin space there's people saying you know this government is so stupid they don't know what they're doing no they know exactly what they're doing and it's working perfectly yeah and when you come to that realization, you're like, ah, 
like you said, you just opt out. You don't need to scream and shout it anymore. What's the point of shaking, you know, angry man yelling at uh, clouds, right? Voting against (laughs) Boris Johnson or or voting against uh, Joe Biden. If if you get Trump, that's not going to change anything. Nothing really changes. Nothing. That what a waste of your time and energy. And I, I put out a, a little meme the other day. Uh, you know the the meme of the two red buttons, and then there's the dude with, with the yeah, uh, yeah sweating, the sweating brow. Yeah, uh, right. and so I, I just wrote in over the left hand button. You know, your vote matters. And then I wrote <laughs> I wrote in over the uh, the right hand button. My vote mattered. Which yeah. one are you going to press? Yeah. You know, because yeah. did it, did it ever matter? Yeah. I mean, honestly, what changed that person you voted for that you've defended for the last two or three years? What changed? Absolutely. Nothing. So does your vote ever matter? And, you know, you, sweat that one out. And when people sit there and think about that deeply, you can get into a pretty dark place. Yeah. yeah, and that I, is why well, that's why we say Bitcoin is hope. You know, that's why Sailor says it, and and he's a billionaire. What's he got to worry about? You'd think nothing, right? Right. Yeah. But of course he does. You know. Yeah. Like nobody wants to live under a system of tyranny that is forever uh, taking from you, and for you know, never going to change, uh, forever gaslighting you, forever trying to control you forever creeping closer you know into your home yeah yeah opt out like you did you know you you did it perfectly you you jumped in a van and crossed the border you you got fuck you money and off you went yeah dude and never did you know you were talking about how uh you know price doesn't matter and once you get to that point for me, that was a galvanizing point. I had already mentally been there in my head, but the realization of when I was, because what I did is, is I hired a helicopter because you were not allowed to drive over the border to yeah. the U.S. at that point because of the lockdown restrictions. You needed only essential workers could go across the border. So for some reason, there was a loophole. I hired a private helicopter to fly across. I put my van on a truck. <laughs> or on a lorry, on a lorry. And uh, the van was delivered as cargo. And I flew over I in this it. private helicopter. And it was so much fun, too. You know, what an, a dramatic, exciting. I'm, I'm working on a story uh, that I'd like to to uh, it's, get published because it's part of my Bitcoin journey, you know. Mm-hmm. But that, that moment where I'm in the helicopter and I'm thinking, you know, my seed words in my head. You know, Had I gone to the bank, you know, the week before and say, I need all my money, I'm closing my account. Imagine the slew of questions and red tape and the possibility of being rejected or, and then of course, fast forward, like uh, less than a year later, there's a trucker protest and they freeze everybody's accounts Mm -hmm. who supported said protests. So, but yeah, it was a galvanizing moment and Bitcoin then became to me, it's, it's freedom money. It's not about getting rich. Mm -hmm. It's not about, the fastest transaction it's not about any of that it's about i'm i'm leaving this place i'm like i basically did uh the sound of music you know i was the von trapp family except the single 
bachelor version and uh, <laughs> going across the Swiss Alps, you know, or the Austrian Alps. Um, so, yeah, it, it's uh, it's changed for me. That's for sure. It really has. And it's great. That's to hear. amazing. Yeah. Jump, jumping in a helicopter. I love it. That is such a, a Chad move. Yeah. So was I mean, it like it really expensive to do. Or it was, uh, it was expensive, but it wasn't debilitating. I mean, uh, mm -hmm. I'm trying to think if, if all told, like with the freight charge of the van on the truck and then the, the helicopter, it might've been 2,500 Canadian. Right. So whatever that is, it's it's expensive. Not much at all. But yeah, but not much at all for your freedom. But, but for your freedom, you exactly. Of, yeah. and, and you put it in that light. But again, you gotta remember where I come from. I'm uh, you know, blue collar raised. Uh I was an actor and uh, a folk music performer, songwriter. And so money was not something that grew on trees for me ever. Um I was lucky. I have a background in in production, and had done some some theater work for a for a college out west. And and I had uh, as they closed that theater, I had a bit of a settlement package, which was great. And I was able to use to to purchase uh, a Bitcoin, and that was a big decision for me. That was my first pull the trigger moment. And uh, it's yeah, it's what a journey, man. It's mind blowing. And I guess this is, you know, you get to talk to these people all the time and uh, I love it. And now I'm beginning, you know, to follow in your footsteps with hearing people's stories. It's incredible. And now to sit here and talk with you and having talked with you, you know, back in 20. Uh, so I, I, I'm really happy that I get to tell you, you know, what a big part you play in that. And, uh, you know, well, you're eyes, so right about. It's not about the you know the price the number. It's still very difficult for people to understand that, especially if they're coming in so so early. Um, it was still so early, and if they're just coming in now, uh, the, a lot of people think they've missed out on the the, the big run ups and whatever else. You, you know, you haven't, and it's hard to grasp that. You know, people like us, we, we don't care so much about the price. Um, and like you said, it's not a get quick rich scheme. It's an earn your freedom deliberately scheme yeah and yeah. just by stacking away and educating yourself and taking more responsibility and self-sovereignty over your decision making and your life you will change in so many different ways that it's, the it's price really does it, it be and just that mental jump daniel the the uh the perception that you're getting rich because we all know that the uh, prices of goods and services are per you know the perception at large is that it's going up but really your money is devaluing at such a rapid pace mm -hmm. and so when you make that mental jump that actually bitcoin will buy you more goods and services today while mm -hmm. the us dollar or the euro will get you a lot less so making that jump, that one Bitcoin is one Bitcoin, and it's just hard money. Yeah. Um, that's a big part of this mentality of being able to, you know, people are still perceiving. And, you know, we're all talking about the backlash that Bitcoiners may be the unfortunate um, receivers of in the future. 
when people start pointing the finger at us, the ones who made the wise decision way back when to get into hard money while everybody mm-hmm. else's dollars is, uh, is, is hyper draining down the hole. Yeah, it's very, very difficult to, you know, predict the future. I mean, it's impossible, as we know. How does this play out? Um, what owner's regulations might be put on us? I think that's, I don't know. You know, we want the pre- the peaceful transition. Is that possible? We don't want the, you know, you know actually begging for the, uh, the banking system to fall over is condemning pretty much everyone you know and love to complete ruin. Yeah. Nobody wants that. No. Nobody wants to live in that kind of world. Um, or deal with that, or watch the people you you love, you know, suffer. Uh, so, a much a much slower, deliberate transition hopefully will happen, and more people will, you know, get educated. This is why these podcasts are important. And like I said at the beginning sh- at the beginning of the show, you know, thank you for 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 releasing another one. Doesn't matter if you get five listeners or or five million, uh, you know. Anything in between is good. And that's just going to help somebody else along their way to discovering that one part of how Bitcoin can improve their life or it touches so many people in so many different ways. You know, I came at it because I was in financial markets. It was an investment. People come at it from, you know, a philosophical point of view, which I find, you know, completely fascinating as well. Others are going to come at it from like, oh, it's technical. I, I like tech. What's the code? And they're going to dive into that and see something they've never seen before. Other people like accountants come at it and like, hmm, what do you mean? This is an immutable ledger. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, third entry bookkeeping. Like, yeah, if that floats your boat, there are so many different ways that, that people can get uh, get pulled into it and understand it very, very quickly um, that it doesn't stop. No. And that you know, coming to the realization as well that it's inevitable that, um, okay, so number go up. Yeah, the price. People are still looking at the price. That's the wrong metric. Number go up is the amount of people that join the network every day. That goes up. That's the that one, goes yeah. That goes up forever. Yeah. That doesn't ever go down. Yeah. Ever. You know, every single day, more people join the network. That is not a fluctuating graph yeah. That's not a line chart. That's just straight up and to the right. Yeah, that, that's the mind. That, that makes you, when people say Bitcoin is inevitable, that's why. Number of nodes, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, and in this case, nodes is people's brains. Uh, yeah. They join the network. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's amazing. That, that truly is amazing. That's so great. Uh, and dude, I remember when I had uh, shed my uh, shit coining ways and was really concentrating on Bitcoin and really applying myself to understanding what it was and how does this protocol work and what is the significance of the nodes and how does mining differ. And um, I guarantee you, like I was listening to people like yourself who would talk to different people in the space um so many great 
podcasters at that point and YouTubers, the number has grown. Uh, but I guarantee right now there's somebody listening to the two of us who's in that stage of their life and they're ready to mm. commit themselves to Bitcoin or they're thinking very much about jumping in. And uh, it's happened to me. It happened to you. Uh, so my message to anybody out there who's listening to this is is carry on. You're, it's unfolding exactly the way it's supposed to. You're on your journey and you will you will get there. And and as Daniel says here, the, the, the journey never ends. Yeah, absolutely. And the fun thing is we're recording this in uh, 2023. Someone might listen to this in 2026. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And have these moments of inspiration and epiphanies and all of this kind of uh, like pennies drop in, in front of their eyes. Uh, that That's the beauty of um, of of putting out information and sharing information like this, whether it's in written form or recorded form, doesn't matter. Very cool. Uh, getting close to wrapping up now, uh, Mr. Prince, uh, I would like to ask you, we, we touched on it already, but uh, separating education and state. In a recent pod, I talked to Scott and Tally. Scott uh, has come up with a Bitcoin, Bitcoin board game known as uh, Huddle Up, and Tally, his wife, is uh, really into um, homeschooling or mm -hmm. separating education and state. And I love that way of looking at it. Uh, mm -hmm. What are your comments on this? You're a big proponent of it. Uh, we, we brushed on it already, but uh, final words about this as, as a method of increasing your independence in life and, and that of your children. It's absolutely essential. That you know, I, I don't want to be uh, hyperbolic, but it's absolutely essential that we separate education from state because it is not education; it's indoctrination. Yeah, there is absolutely nothing there for your child that they cannot get from a, uh, a homeschooling or self-directed educational uh, route. And if if anybody you know listening to this is thinking along the lines of, you know, something's wrong with society. Well, look at how it's formed. It's formed by that institution. And that institution is a top-down order. It is a tyrannical, communist, authoritarian order. And they take kids from as young as the age of three, four, five, whatever it is, depending which country you live in at the time that you're listening to this. And then they mold them. They take the kids away from the parents. This is an attack on the family because the state is literally reaching its hand in and taking your kids out of the home and out of your ethics and your morals and then molding them the, the way they want to. And it is so damaging. And, you know, th there's many different references I could uh, point people towards. So I, I would I would really encourage people to read uh, the book Changing Our Minds by Naomi Fisher, because that is an up-to-date book. But if you want to get deep into the weeds from, you know, decades ago, John Holt, 
H-O-L-T. Uh, he had written lots of books back in um, the 60s and 70s about what was going on and the problems uh, that people were facing. And then John Taylor Gatto is the absolute, you know, cherry on the cake. He's got uh, a couple of very approachable books. One is called Dumbing, Dumbing Us Down mm-hmm. and uh, another one called uh, Weapons of Mass Instruction. Oh, such uh, a good title. Yeah. That's so uh, good. And he was a he was a teacher of thirty years. Wow! Um, and then, if you really you could end up in a dark place if you read this one because it's like reading the the creature of Jekyll Island. Um, but it's called the Underground History of the American Education uh, System, and that's by Gatto as well. And that leads you through the whole sordid way that the insidious way that the education system was imported from uh, Prussia and uh, set up exactly the same way in in the United States and globally in the end because it just got exported globally yeah. as the accepted way to um, order a society, basically. Oh, man. So if you really want to earn your freedom, uh, you know, people... people who are in the Bitcoin space or even in the freedom space, right? Or libertarian people. Uh, again, I hate labeling labels and labeling, yeah. but there are many people out there that have questioned, uh, you know, like uh, big government. And if you want to starve the beast, if that is truly what you want, you want to move to you know, a smaller, smaller governance and have more control over your own life, then you've got to stop feeding it your kids minds and souls yeah Yeah. you have to because Um, once they take them they've got them and they shape them and they indoctrinate them and nationalize them to such an extent that when you leave that you have no idea who you are you have no idea what you love and you will just end up taking whatever career path gets presented to you rather than you actually going out and actively chasing something or building something that you love and you find yourself like you and I did at the age of 35, 45, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. completely unhappy, no idea how you got there, why you're selling beer, why I'm quoting numbers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. How did that happen? And it, that's how we we truly take back um, more control over our families and, you know, for our kids. The way I kind of look at it, it's like I never enjoyed school. Why that? Why on earth would I subject my children, uh, you know, to that same kind of thing? It's saying that my my oldest is seventeen. She's going for it. She she's she's in the system. She enjoys it. Uh, the problem, the, the reason she enjoys it is because she gets positively reinforced uh, because she gets good grades. Right. So we have long discussions around the table. It's like, okay, what, like I said at the beginning, you know, what, what we taught today versus what have you learned today? And, um, you know, I've got three kids at home that are self-directed education that, that are uh, learning more than being taught, um, which uh, is way more valuable. For sure. 
So uh, yeah, that's my that's my take on it. Uh, I've got Scott and Tally coming on the show as well. Uh, nice, good. They're shipping me over the game, so I'm really looking forward to <laughs> right, playing yeah. that with the kids. It's really cool. Um, and uh, thank you so much for for inviting me on and uh, and you know releasing your pod and stepping well, into the. Thanks for joining me on it. I appreciate it. Uh, I think that's a great way to end it, my friend. I look forward to talking to you again. Are you going to be at Bitcoin Twenty Three? I am. Awesome. I think I, I will see it. you. That's going to be yeah. awesome, dude. You better you better come and tap me on the shoulder because I, I promise. Have no memories of what you look like <laughs> and we we've done this off camera. For so. sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh would you like to promote your book by the way before we leave? Oh choose yeah, life. sure. People, choose life. Yeah, choose life. Yeah, if people want to go and check that out, choose life. It's about what we talked about, you know, escaping the rat race. Uh, there's nothing really too much about Bitcoin in there at all. It's um, just how we did it, what was going through our minds, facing those fears, how we got over those fears. There's a lot of practical kind of um, links and whatever else that you can go and learn from other people. Uh, I hope it adds value to to those that read it and um, you know can can help facilitate a little bit of a change of mindset. Nice. Uh, and at Daniel, uh, no, at Princey SOV on Twitter. Correct. Okay, my friend. Nice talking to you. Thank you so much. Take care. Thanks to my brother, Daniel Prince. At Princey SOV on Twitter. Be sure to give him a follow and be sure to check out his pod, Once Bitten, on the Fountain app and all the usual streaming hosts where you find your Bitcoin uh, content. That was nice. You know, he's so all in on the idea of sovereignty, and you can hear it in his every word. So thanks, DP. Thank you very much. And thanks to all of you for spending your time with me here on N21. And if you want to spend some time with lots of other Bitcoiners, you might be considering a visit to Miami Beach for Bitcoin 23. Uh, You're going to learn a lot. You're going to make connections, and some of you will secure jobs in the Bitcoin space. Use Nomad Code, all one word, for a 10% discount on your tickets. Bitcoin 23, Miami Beach, Florida. Ladies and gentlemen, such a splendid day. I am going to move on and do other things. Um, I wish you all the best. Thanks for spending your time with me here. It really means a lot. Uh, Follow me on the Fountain app, Spotify. Uh, wherever you get your Bitcoin content. And uh, give me a boost, baby. Uh, Thanks a lot. Looking forward to seeing you next time right here. Okay? So long.